بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم نحمد الکریم اما بعد الحمد للہ tonight is the 8th of October in the year 2023 and Alhamdulillah we moved on to the second night that we're going through the life of our dear and beloved mother Sayyida Khatija bint Khuwailid radiyallahu and yesterday I mentioned her two marriages prior to that of our beloved messenger sallallahu alayhi wa her first husband was Abu Hala from whom she was blessed with two sons who were, who were called Hind and Hala radiyallahumma and then I mentioned that her second husband was Atik and he also passed away and from this marriage she was blessed with a daughter called Hinda radiyallahumma so the next section entitled The Prophecy Indeed, it is well known that our beloved mother, Sayyida Khatija radiyallahu was acquainted with the well-known fact amongst the people of the book of the time that was near for the arrival of the final and most magnificent messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And like I highlighted yesterday, not forgetting that the Christian learned man, Waraka, was her first cousin. So if a person queries, how was she aware of this? You can respond by saying that Waraka, he was a Christian. And they were well versed that the Prophet's time was near. So in the most informative report, Shaykh al-Ahadith Mawlana Muhammad Idris Khan Dahlawi, he mentioned in his Seerat al-Mustafa, volume 3, page 283 of the English translation, an incident occurred that in one of the festivals of Jahiliyyah, the women of Makkah gathered. Sayyida Khatija radiyallahu was also amongst them. She suddenly saw a person appearing and announcing in a loud voice, there is going to be a prophet in your city. His name will be Ahmad. Whoever amongst you can become his wife should do so. On hearing this, all the women pelted him with stones. Except Sayyida Khatija radiyallahu she remained silent at what he had said. This is also recorded in Al-Isaba and Hafiz Zurqani in his Sharh Al-Mawahib, volume 3, page 220. So stop in the quote. So in this report, it mentions that a particular man was calling out that the time of the Prophet is near. Who was this man? probably from the people of the book. They pelted him. Why? Because obviously they had no knowledge of scripture, the Jahiliya Arabs. But Khatija, she remained silent. And what did that man say? Whoever amongst you can become his wife should do so. The report continues. Sayyida Khatija's heart was already filled with hopes and desires of having this wonderful opportunity of being his wife. After hearing this announcement, the fire of her hopes began burning even more. A report of Ibn Ishaq states that when her servant Sayyidina Maysara returned from the journey to Sham and related all the incidents that took place, 
and also the conversation with Nastura, the monk. Inshallah, I'll mention it a bit. Then no sooner she heard all this, she said, if what the Jewish astrologer said is true, then it can be no one but him, I Muhammad. This is recorded also in Hafiz Zurqani in his Sharh Al-Mawahib, volume 1, page 200. So what happened? When she heard the announcement, and the report mentions that Maysala went with the caravan of hers, who was in charge of Khadija's caravan, he witnessed many amazing things with Rasulullah. When, she, when he brought that knowledge back to Khatija, this was her response. If what the Jewish astrologer said is true, meaning the one who made the announcement, it has to be him. In other words, what you've described about Muhammad, it seems that it's him. Then it mentions, Sheikh Al-Adif, we learn from this, that the women's assembly at that festival took place before the return of Sayyidina Maysala. So this is how you reconcile the reports. The caravan had already gone. The incident of the Jewish astrologer happened when the caravan was away. Therefore, when the caravan came, the news was confirmed. In another report, Nafisa bint Muniba, she said, Khatija was a very noble and wealthy woman. When she became a widow, every noble man from the Quraysh decided to marry her, but she would politely decline. However, when Rasulullah went on a trade journey with her goods and returned with immense profits, she became inclined towards him. I, Nafisa, thus sent a message to him, asking him, what is stopping you from getting married? He replied, I do not possess anything. In other words, I'm not financially stable. She then said, if this concern of yours is sorted and you are invited towards a woman who has wealth, beauty, compatibility, then do you still have an excuse? Rasulullah thereupon asked وسلم, who is such a woman? She replied, Khatija. Rasulullah then accepted the proposal. This is recorded by Hafiz ibn Hajar Asqalani in Al-Isaba, volume 4, page 282. So what happened? Nafisa bin Muniba, a female companion who later embraced Islam, she was the one who had the honor of asking Rasulullah to marry Khadija. And Rasulullah's first response was, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, that I'm not financially stable. In other words, you need to have wealth, certain amount of wealth to get married. And look what she said. If this problem of yours is sorted, and then she mentioned three things. And what's amazing is, all the three things she mentioned is Islam. The Prophet later said that you should look for these three things. If you are invited towards a woman who has wealth, beauty, compatibility, he goes, is there any excuse left for you not to get married? And he said, who is such a woman? When the response was Khatija, now look how interesting, what did she say? Somebody who's compatible with you. So is Rasulullah a normal person? That's why he asked, because who is such a woman? When 
Nafisa radiyallahu anha said Khatija Rasulullah accepted the proposal so straight away you realize her maqam she was compatible to be the wife of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam so all of this is building up to the marriage the next section entitled the faithful and most blessed trade journey so what actually happened on that trade journey let us look now in detail to what happened in this most eventful and blessed trade journey with rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam so again the ages i'm going to mention why the scholars have differed with regards to khadija's age but going by the narrative that she was nearing the age of 40 khadija radiyallahu was living alone successful business she heard of muhammad ibn abdullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam she was instantly impressed by what people said about this most noble young man and she was well aware of his famous title al amin the truthful she thus decided to hire him so this was her wisdom she thought let's see from close quarters with my servant how he deals with people in in business al hayy nafisa the sister of yaala ibn munir she relates when rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam reached the age of 25 years abu talib his uncle informed him sallallahu alaihi wasallam that he was experiencing difficult financial conditions he thus instructed rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam that the quraish used to send the caravans to sham for trade purposes He informed Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam about Khatija radiyallahu a wealthy woman who used to employ people sometimes on a mudaraba basis to travel with her goods to Asha. Abu Talib encouraged Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam to make an offer to her which she would readily accept. Meanwhile Khadija radiyallahu received news about this conversation and she made a proposal herself to rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam to travel with her goods and she offered to pay him double the noble price <laughs> this is recorded in ibn sa'd in his tabaqat volume 1 page 129 half is shami in his sirat volume 2 page 158 so rasulullah 25 years age roughly sallallahu alaihi wasallam abu talib is in financial difficulty why because he had a large family and they were going through difficulties So he wanted Rasulullah who was under his care to go on a trade journey and it's called mudaraba mudaraba is when you hire somebody to do the work for you and then give them a profit of the share the share of the profit so Abu Talib said why don't you go to Khadija and offer your service because ask for a reasonable amount for your service and I'm sure she'll agree But Khadija beat Rasulullah to the punch. She heard about this. Nothing about it. How did she hear about this conversation? So this shows that she was keeping tabs on Rasulullah, sallallahu alaihi wasallam. And then she herself said, "I will offer him double the normal rate, meaning if he comes, he goes. He will certainly be given a, a good wage." Khadija radiyallahu would export her goods to faraway markets like Asham. So Sham is Syria, Jordan, Palestine, Lebanon. And her managers while selling their own goods there would buy other goods to be then sold back home in Mecca. 
the managers would get a healthy share of the profit and this would naturally be enough of an incentive for them. This type of arrangement is called muqadada or mudadaba, i.e. a partnership transaction. So how did they make a, 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 a profit? They get a profit by looking after the goods they're told to look after and selling them. But when they were there, they would buy stock there and come back and sell it in, back in Makkah. So there's a double way of making a profit. That is called Muqarada or Mudaraba. And this is sanctioned in Islam. How do we know? Because in Ibn Majah and Mishkat, Sayyidina Suhaib al-Rumi radiyallahu alayhi that our beloved messenger said, sallallahu alayhi wa blessings lies in three things. And one of them was Muqarada. So this is actually a blessed business venture where you actually are, you know, hired and you can do what you need to do. And the Prophet goes, it's one of the three blessed things. So what's interesting, look how Allah the Almighty was giving the best for Rasulullah. He never did anything outside of prophethood, which was later haram. You understand? So even in business, Allah was giving him the best, which is, you know, certainly worth pointing out. It is also worth mentioning that the caravans of Makkah were protected from bandits. Why? The reason for this simply being that the Arabs had a great veneration, respect for the Holy Kaaba and its custodians. Not forgetting that just a little over two decades earlier, the people of the elephant were vanquished. So everybody wanted to become partners with the Quraysh. Why? Because there was no fear of anybody attacking the caravan. They were, you know, there were tribes who were known for banditry, the Ghafar tribe. But even their goals were not touching the Quraysh. Why? Because just two decades earlier, Allah sent the famous flock of birds to destroy Abraha. And they realized these are special people. The Almighty and Glorious Himself says an entire surah about this. Surah Fil. Surah 105, for the protection of the Quraysh, their protection in their summer and winter journeys. Therefore, let them worship the Lord of this house who fed them in the days of famine and shielded them from all perils. So Allah revealed the Surah in honor of the Quraysh. This shows they were the master tribe. Allah has not honored any tribe like the Quraysh. He's revealed the Surah, Surah Quraysh. And what does he say? Subhanahu wa ta'ala. I've protected you. So what does that mean? The, the trade caravans, because because of my protecting the Kaaba, nobody dares mess with you. Then he says their protection in their summer and winter journeys. These were the times they would travel. Imam Malik, he said there's only two seasons, summer and winter. Because Allah hasn't mentioned spring, <coughs> spring or autumn. And he uses this as a proof. So again, this is something worth mentioning. Then Allah says, let them worship the Lord of this house. Now think about the reasoning there. Allah is telling the unbelieving Quraysh, you are protected because of my greatness. Nobody is attacking your caravans. So why then are you not returning the favor? At the very least, worship the Lord of the house. You're worshiping idols. 
So Allah Ta'ala is saying, I protected my house and your thanks is to worship idols. So Allah Ta'ala goes, therefore worship the Lord of this house. Then he says, who fed you in the days of famine, shielded you from perils. So the whole surah was revealed because of this incident. Those when the time came for the next trade journey to the north in Asham, Sayyida Khatija Radiyallanha nominated Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam as her representative. She also sent her trusted friend Sayyidina Maysara along to help. But more importantly, she told him to analyze him carefully. <laughs> so outwardly, he's helping the Prophet. His secret mission was, I want every single detail about him. You notice anything strange, you tell me about it. The caravan though set off. Shaykh al-Hadith, Mawlana Muhammad Idris Qadahdavi, he continued in Seerat al-Mustafa, sallallahu alayhi wa volume 1, page 117 of the English translation. He states, When Rasulullah, sallallahu alayhi wa reached Busra, he took a seat under the shade of a tree. A monk by the name of Nastura lived in the vicinity of this tree. On seeing Rasulullah beneath the tree, he approached him. And after analyzing him, he said, From the time of Isa ibn Maryam, right up to this present moment, besides you, no other prophet has sat beneath this tree. He then remarked to Maysara, he, your companion, has this redness in his eyes. Maysara responded by revealing, yes, this redness has never left his eyes. The monk then said, indeed, this is the prophet. This is the final messenger. If only I could live to see the day, he is commanded to come forward. <laughs> Stop in the report. What on earth is happening? <laughs> so Maysara is told, make sure you get all the details. And the details weren't even hidden. <laughs> so now think about this. How much knowledge have the people of the book got? If you look at this report, they even know where prophets are. <laughs> so imagine they saw a tree and the, they knew, may, definitely Nastur and you, only a prophet since under that tree. <laughs> so they were always looking at that tree to see if anybody's going to sit there. <laughs> so what happened? It looked like, you know, coincidence. Rasulullah sat beneath that tree. Nastura immediately came out. Why? Because he's thinking, who's this person? When he comes near, he looks at him and he says to the Prophet the last person who sat under this tree, now think about that, was Jesus Christ. That tree was 600 plus years old. Besides you, no other Prophet has sat beneath this tree, meaning this is knowledge given to us. He goes, you must be the Prophet. But then he noticed that the Prophet had some redness in his eyes. You know, like he had beautiful eyes, piercing, black, piercing, you know, extremely white, but there was redness. So he asked Maysara, he goes, what's this redness? And Maysara said, this, was, this is his natural feature. It's not like he's angry. This is just his natural, you know, demeanor. The monk then was convinced. This is the Prophet. This is the final messenger. If only I could live to see the day he is commanded to come forward, meaning he's not allowed to reveal as a prophet yet. <laughs> now, why is this important to highlight? 
because later on he must have read books he goes into the cave he gets bewildered hang on a minute who gets bewildered he goes rasulullah why is he bewildered because he doesn't know what's happened for well, 15 years prior to that a monk told him face to face you're the final messenger and he doesn't know more than the monk anyway we'll get to that this is why it's so important to go prior to nabuwat so you don't make those silly blunders the report continues hafiz zurqani in a sharh al mawahib volume 1 page 198 added it is possible that the absence of anyone else sitting beneath the tree was one of his sallallahu alaihi wasallam miracles as is evident from other reports so this is according to some ulama it's a, it's the miracle of the prophet why because there had to be somebody sitting under that tree nobody did he sallallahu alaihi wasallam thereafter engaged in his trading activities now look how strange this is the prophet not responded to him he didn't say are you sure on the last prophet why because do you think he's in doubt <laughs> if he had asked you could think there's doubt on that part of the prophet but then you'd come up with the preposterous scenario a christian monk knows more than the prophet how can that be true so notice he just keep him quiet he didn't say nothing the report then says he starts engaging in trading activities during this time a person started wrangling with rasul arguing with him you know like you know bargaining the man demanded that he sallallahu alaihi wasallam swear an oath by the idols lat and uzza <laughs> So what happened? He goes, "I want it for this amount," and the prophet says, "This is the amount you can take it or leave it." So he got a bit heated, and he was think about this. He actually asked the prophet, "I want to know whether you're telling the truth." So I want you to swear an oath by Lat and Uzza. The prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said, "I have never taken an oath on Lat and Uzza. In fact, even if I by chance come across those idols," I avoid them altogether. <laughs> so what did he say to that man? There's no I'm, I'm, I've never sworn by them. In fact, I can't I hate the sight of them. If I see them I, t- I turn away from them. The man replied, now this is what strange. Indisputably you are right. In other words, you are truthful and trustworthy. It was a test. <laughs> They all coming for him. Right? They testing him. And he goes, you're telling the truth. <laughs> The man then commented to Maisara radiyallahu in confidence by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala this is a man whose description and attributes our scholars find inscribed in their religious manuscripts so now second strange incident somebody's tana like deceive him in this way in off by idols to see whether he passed or failed he passed Then the same man turns to the servant Maisara because it's him. This is the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Maisara added, he continued. Notice the prophet is not responding again. In the severe heat of the afternoon. Subhanallah. I suddenly noticed two angels shading Rasulullah. So now what's happening? He didn't say clouds. He didn't say this of, you know, shadow He goes, I saw two angels shading him in the heat. That's the third thing. Then he said, as he was returning from Sham, 
whilst the two angels were still busy shading him. From the fierce midday sun, Khatija witnessed this extraordinary scene as she was sitting in the upper floor of her house. She summoned the women quickly around her. Because look, they all were shocked. Soon after, Maysara came. <laughs> Imagine, because I need to speak to you. <laughs> and that's an understatement. He gave her a detailed account of the strange phenomena and particulars of the journey. He then made over her goods and money to her. <coughs> Due to the blessings of Rasulullah, this time, Khatija realized such a huge profit from the trade caravan. She had never before made such a huge profit from a single trade caravan. <laughs> Khatija awarded Rasulullah much more than the initial profit that she had originally promised. So what happened? What was the business? The, you know, the most strange. That's the least important part of the report. But even as mentioned, because it was a few, you know, there, it was a jackpot. <laughs> Right? And then Khatija, she gave much more to the Prophet So where is this narration recorded? It's recorded in Tabarani in his Ausat. Al-Haytami in Majma Az-Zawaid 8-256 stated Hassan, Ibn Asakir Abu Nu'im, Ibn Ishaq, Ibn Hisham in his Sira, Ibn Katir Sira, Volume 1, page 189-90 of the English translation, Ibn Sakan, Ibn Sa'ad in his Tabaqat, Volume 1, page 131, Hafiz Shami in his Sirat, Volume 2, page 158. Hafiz Suhaili in his Ar-Rawd al-Unuf. Sheikh Shibli Nu'mani in his Sirat al-Nabi, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Volume 3, page 542-1 of the New English Translation. So this is not a historical report. This is a hadith. This is a hadith. Right? Recorded in Tabarani. And Hafiz Haytami said, this is a very strong hadith. But it's also recorded in the books of history. So first we look at the, it's a hadith. Then we say it's also recorded. So it's definitely a sound report. So now, what's happening? <laughs> what's happening is this. Rasulullah is not, sallallahu alayhi wasallam. he's not allowed to proclaim. Allah has to give the permission for him to proclaim that he's a prophet. But the people of the book, they have that much knowledge. The Allah was honoring them. Why? Because they had the signs. <laughs> Rasulullah was going to them. <laughs> and on the face of it, you're thinking this is a coincidence. It's not. <laughs> There's no such thing as coincidence. Allah brought him. And Nastura, he said, is him. The businessman, or you know, so called businessman, also a learned person of the book, he goes, it's him. Two angels. You know, it's not like, well, hang on a minute. What? If you see two angels, it's not like, what's happening there? Not only did he see it, Khatija saw it. And she was, you know, like you get this impression, trying to rub her eyes, but then she's getting the women folk. Look, look, you know, am I seeing things? Because it's midday. They all look and they're all shocked. So let me ask you a question. Wasn't Rasulullah aware of it? You know, unless you come out with a preposterous statement, everybody knows he doesn't. Right? You know, again, you're ludicrous if you think about these statements that you think you're making. Everybody knows he can't see anything. He is, you know, he's probably deaf to what's been discussed. So this indicates clearly that before he proclaimed, he was well aware, but he was waiting for the divine command. Very important to highlight. Why? Because if you look at 
what some serial writers do. They make a serious blunder. Because he didn't know what was going on. Jibreel came to him, but he got shot. <laughs> and then you'll get to it. You know, if you go to the report properly, with commentary, you realize there's nothing, he's not in shock. There's some other reason why he's, you know, his heart's palpitating and he's, you know, running back to Khatija and all the... We'll get to the report. But it's nothing to do with the fact that he's scared. He's bewildered. He doesn't know what's going on. And then Khatija has to take him to a Christian to confirm his prophethood. Come on, what are you talking about? Well, you know, that's why the Christians, they start laughing at us. Because you still have to come to us, don't you? Your own prophet didn't know he was a prophet. So who did he go to? He came to us. So we're telling you to follow our religion. Like your prophet did. You throw yourself in the fort. Then we come out with, oh, he wasn't really a Christian. Then you start going down that line. Hang on a minute. Before you carry on. What's this conversation taking place? Bakwas. So again, not serious problems. And, alhamdulillah, by going through Khatija's life in particular, you realize where the truth lies. So all I've mentioned in this second session now is Khatija becoming aware of Rasulullah and she made arrangements to find out whether this was absolutely fact and it certainly was. So Lord, when she gave her hand in marriage, she had that knowledge. It wasn't just fate, like some people give you the impression. SubhanAllah. Are there any questions you want to ask? SubhanAllah, bihamdi, subhanakallahumma, bihamdi, ka ashtu la ilaha illa anta astaghfirika atu bulaika wa tibullahi min shalajim. SubhanAllah, rabbika rabbil izzati wa maasifun. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa alhamdulillahi wa alameen. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Wa al-Asr, 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 wa al-As